0: Welcome to the Theological Touchpoints Podcast. I'm Julian. The focus for this episode is touchpoints at the intersection of biblical theology and everyday life. True or false, experiencing God is more important than knowing about Him. Experiencing God is more important than knowing about Him. What do you think? I recently saw a quote, which I wish I had written down and didn't, the gist of it was a jab at those who prioritize theology over spiritual experiences. You can keep your dead religion, and I'll enjoy my spirit-filled life. Is this a proper approach to the Christian life? I don't think so. This view betrays a faulty understanding of the place of knowledge in our relationships with God. Red ideas about God are minimized. Quote, real relationship, end quote, is elevated. Does this paradigm work? Do we need to choose between right ideas, a focus on the mind, and true relationship, a focus on the heart? The fault in this approach is that it assumes theology and spirituality are opposites, when in fact they are inseparable. Right theology forms the groundwork for any authentic experience of God. To contrast experience with theology is to divide the enjoyment of food from food itself. Just as we cannot enjoy a perfectly seared steak or a patiently smoked chicken without actually having the food in front of us, we cannot enjoy the benefits of relationship with God if we are devoid of theology. Relationship with God happens within the context of truth about Him. Prioritizing spiritual experience over biblical theology is, in many ways, a short-circuited approach to God. It assumes that we can overcome our lack of knowledge if we have sufficient zeal. It makes us think that as long as we're well-intentioned, as long as we're putting our whole hearts into pursuing him, it doesn't really matter what we're doing. Zeal is more important than knowledge. This is similar to saying that it's more important how fast you're driving than necessarily which direction you're going. If you really put yourself into it, you'll end up where you need to be. But this is a deficient approach to Christianity. The Apostle Paul specifically says of the Jews that the reason they weren't saved is that their zeal was not according to knowledge. They were earnestly pursuing salvation, but they sought it through the wrong means. They missed the gospel because they were more focused on what they were doing for God than they were focused on what God was offering them in Christ. Their faulty knowledge resulted in dead spirituality. There's a phrase that was trendy in my teenage years and is still making its rounds. That is, it's not about religion, it's about a relationship. This puts forward the idea that relationship with God is the main thing and religion gets in the way. Uh, things like orthodoxy, a tradition of belief, or orthopraxia, a tradition of practice, are abandoned for the sake of relationship. But this falsely supposes that the deepest relationship with God is to be found outside the bounds of historic faith. Longstanding beliefs are jettisoned for a pursuit of immediate thrills. This again illustrates the false contrast that is often made between accurate knowledge of God and genuine experience of God. While I think most of us recognize at face value that information about God is important to relationship with Him— we often don't follow through on living according to that principle. We can see a bit of our view on this by asking a simple question. When we say, I want to grow in my relationship with God, what do we think of as the path toward growth? What do we think we need more of for that relationship to grow? Do we think we need to pray more, to be still more, or to fast more? What should we apply ourselves to if we want to grow closer to God? I posit that our thoughts should center on Scripture. We ought to look to the Word of God as the central component to our spiritual growth. Now, there are certainly companion disciplines. We need to pray to ask God to grow our understanding. Fasting is certainly appropriate as a means of growing in holiness. Prayer, fasting, and similar disciplines are essential to Christian growth, but not without a focus on God's Word as the primary catalyst for change. God's Word is what reveals God. It reveals our sin and leads us to grow and change. It reveals God's provisions for change. We need to be Scripture-centered, Bible-minded people if we want to experience true and lasting spiritual growth. And so we need to understand that information about God, a truth understood through Scripture, precedes relationship with God. Right theology precedes true relationship. We will not experience God truly apart from his revealed word. We will not be led by the Spirit if we aren't familiar with God's Spirit-inspired scriptures. We will not experience authentic relationship with the true God if we ignore the Bible that tells us about him. So I said we need to know theology in order to have a relationship with God, and I also said we need to know our Bibles in order to have a relationship with God. Uh, we need to know our Bibles not just in a general sense, not such that we're just familiar with some chapters and, and verses and isolated ideas, but we need to know the Bible as a whole, the big picture of Scripture. So what I'm speaking of when I speak of theology is is not some exercise divorced from Scripture, but it's the simple reading and believing of the inspired Word of God. We need the kind of theology that arises from a familiarity with the Word of God through wrestling with the concepts of Scripture and fitting them together in a way that makes sense and explains the Gospel comprehensively and sufficiently. We need a holistic theology built upon the clear teachings of Scripture. Theology in the truest and best sense is not an organism divorced from Scripture or even distinct from Scripture. The best theology is one that arises solely from Scripture itself, text built upon text, filling out our understanding, buttressing our faith. We need to soak ourselves in the Word of God and submit ourselves to its truth claims. We need the Bible to lead us to God. We need to understand Scripture in order to have a relationship with God. We need to know what God has revealed to us about Himself in Scripture. So when I speak of knowing our Bibles or reading our Bibles, uh, we don't come to Scripture as some mystical means to God, as if reading God's Word provides God the opportunity to speak to us uh, apart from His Word. No, though it is the Word itself that God uses to speak to us, God communicates with us in and through His Word. The Bible itself is the channel to relationship with God. And if we want a vibrant relationship with God, we need to be familiar with the text of Scripture. We need to know its arguments, understand its truth claims, and see the big picture. Most of all, we need to see Christ in it. So, I want us to return again to the original question. Is experiencing God more important than knowing about Him? And I would answer that with a yes. All the knowledge in the world does us no good if it does not result in a deeper relationship with our God and Father. God isn't after smart people. He isn't after intellectual snobs or arrogant scholars. He's after the broken and contrite, the humble one submitted to Him. He wants us, not just our minds, but all of us. We must be certain that we are living as Christians in actual relationship with the living God. Experiencing God is what the Christian life is all about. Experiencing His salvation, His blessing, and ultimately His presence. Christianity is only dead religion without God. Is experiencing God more important than knowing about Him? Absolutely. We need to go beyond simple knowledge and move into relationship with God. But we need to think a little deeper on this one. The companion question to, is experiencing God more important than knowing about Him, is this, how do we experience God? If we want vibrant relationship with the true God, what are we to do? And this takes us to the other side of the initial question, knowledge of God. The issue with the question, with the main question we're looking at here, is experiencing God more important than knowing about him? The issue with that question is that it supposes relationship with God can be had without knowledge of him. It sets up a contrast between knowledge of God and relationship with God, experience of God. So again, the issue is that This question supposes that relationship with God can be had without knowledge of Him, and that is quite simply an impossibility. We cannot have relationship with the true God unless we have right knowledge about Him. Why do you think He revealed Himself in a book? Because there is information about Himself that must be comprehended before relationship with Him is possible. So again, we need more than just knowledge in order to have relationship with God. But we will not have relationship with God until we have right knowledge about God. And again, that knowledge comes as it's clearly communicated to us in the inspired, inerrant, authoritative, sufficient word of God. So we need knowledge for relationship with God. Of what kinds of knowledge? Well, let's just ask a basic question. Who is God? What is it we are to think about? God. What is it that we must believe to be true about God if we are to have a relationship with God? And I believe, and we're going to continue to look at this, but I believe that we can only be confident we are worshiping the true God if our ideas about God are those ideas that God has given to us in his word. More to the point, God is the only one qualified to tell us about God. And if we want to know God, we need to listen to God. And we hear from God through God's Word. If we want accurate information about God and thus have a relationship with the God who actually exists as he has revealed himself, then we need to submit to the Word of God and we need to know the Word of God such that we can be confident that our relationship is with God as he has actually revealed himself and not just with a figment of my own imagination. So I want relationship with the true God, the God who actually exists, the one who created me and made this world and redeems me through Christ and works in my life and, and calls me to himself and has promised me eternal life in his presence. There is only one God, and that God is the God who has revealed himself in Scripture. When our ideas about God don't line up with Scripture, we are in danger of idolatry. Is my relationship with the true God if my idea about him is that he is unjust, impatient, wrathful, and just waiting for a chance to pounce on helpless sinners? Is my relationship genuine if I think of God as merely kind and gracious, but unconcerned about sin and accepting anyone and everyone, regardless how rebellious they are against him? Is my relationship with the true God if I fashion him in my own image, imagining that he is just like me, loving what I love and hating what I hate? certainly these false views of God, this false knowledge about God, is tantamount to idolatry. Now certainly we can feel good about these views of God. We can have emotional experiences imagining the sort of God. We can sing to him, pray to him, worship him, yet our worship is not of the one God who actually exists, who made all things, sustains all things, and has made plain to us in his word exactly who he is, what he has done, what he wants from us, and how he desires to be known and worshiped. If we want to experience the true God, we must know him. Relationship with that God, with the one God who actually exists, Relationship with that God happens exclusively within the confines of Scripture. And that feels like a limitation. That is certainly not a limitation, other than to limit our ideas of God to that which He has told us about Himself. We willingly bind ourselves to Scripture alone to lead us to God, because only in doing so can we be confident that our worship is of the one and only God, of the true God where else can we go? Only God has the words of life. All ideas of God that arise from outside of scripture or arise from our own imaginations are at best ignorant and at worst outright heresy. Ask the question, who is God? How we answer that question, how we think about that question has a massive bearing on how we live, uh, what we meditate on, Uh, what causes us to worship, what stirs up worship within ourselves, what we focus our worship on. And I will say again what I've already tried to say, and that is, if our ideas about God are something different than God's definition of his own character, as revealed in Scripture, we are in danger of worshiping a false god. Right, knowledge of God is crucial to experiencing the true God. Knowledge and experience. What about experiencing God's grace in the gospel? So we ask the question, what is the gospel? And how important is knowledge in our own salvation? Now, we are not saved by theology. We're not saved by getting all of our I's dotted and T's crossed and and everything in neat little boxes, the way theologians like to handle things. Uh, We're not saved by getting our theology straight. We're saved by faith in Christ. But is true faith just a general good feeling toward God, or is it more than that? Is the gospel just a collection of nice thoughts God has toward man? Is it just God's desire for relationship with us, however and whenever it can be found? Certainly not. The gospel is a specific set of truth claims, claims that must be held if we are to be saved. And so in one sense, all we need to do is is believe, but in another sense, there are certain things that God calls us to believe if we submit ourselves to him and submit ourselves to his word, and these things are clear in his word. To reject these things is, in fact, to reject the gospel. And really, if we were to put together a a full list, we would end up with a list of of all the things that God has clearly revealed in His Word pertaining to His people, pertaining to His church. But the things that I've highlighted here, and there are a number here I want to bring out, but the things I've highlighted here are things that I believe are so clear in Scripture pertaining to the gospel that to reject these things is to reject the true gospel, and thus to reject the true God. First of all, just believing that God created all things by His word. God created everything. Scripture is constantly referring to God as the Father, the God who, the one who created everything, the one who sustains all things. But everything finds its origin in God, continues by His powers, preserved by His power, uh, finds its life in Him. Uh, Hebrews eleven verse three uh, points to faith in God. And specifically, God creating the world by the word of his mouth as being the starting point of all true faith. So, the belief that God created all things by his word, crucial to the gospel. The belief that Adam sinned and brought the curse of death on all humanity, uh, central to a right understanding of the gospel. The belief that all of us died spiritually in Adam. Romans 5, in Adam, all died. In Adam's sin, all died. The belief that we are all born sinners in need of salvation, the belief that we will all be judged for our actions, whether we submit to God in faith or rebel against his authority, the belief that salvation can only be experienced through Christ, through his righteous life, substitutionary death, and glorious resurrection, crucial to the gospel. The gospel that saves is this gospel, because this is the gospel that God has revealed in his word. The belief that salvation is made available by God's grace alone, by grace you have been saved. The belief that salvation is received by faith alone, by grace you have been saved through faith. The belief that all who call in the name of the Lord will be saved. The belief that those who receive the gospel will experience eternal life in God's presence. And the belief that those who reject God will experience eternal death in hell apart from God's blessing and under His divine judgment. And all of these are are an incomplete expression of the gospel, but are pieces of the gospel, and these components of the gospel are so clearly revealed in Scripture that, again, to resist them or reject them is to resist God himself and to fashion a gospel according to our own imagination, our own preference, and not to receive the gospel as God has given it to us in his word. And so this list could go on. And again, let me say it's true that in the simplest sense, All we need to do to be saved is believe in Christ. Faith is what saves. But a Christian of any maturity, studying God's word and growing in it, will come to an understanding of the gospel that is quite similar to this list. This is that which is described in the New Testament as the faith. The New Testament talks both about faith and the faith. Faith is that which we exercise. We place faith in Christ. But the faith is that set of truth claims which we profess by faith. And the faith is a way of summarizing all of the clear doctrines in the New Testament, all the clear truth claims, all the clear teachings, however you want to say that, the theology of the New Testament, the faith, there are components of the faith that must be believed if we are to be saved. As we think more on what the gospel is, I'm struck thinking that many of us may not understand the gospel as we ought to. What is the gospel? Or maybe more to the point, what is the basis of my relationship with God? Why should I be confident that God looks favorably on me, that I have been redeemed from sin and am being cleansed from it? It seems to me that among our people, most often our understanding of the gospel is that God expects us to do the best we can, and he'll do the rest. We are confident that we are truly saved because we are moral people who are patient and kind and generous and friendly. And these are good things. But does God want moral people? No, God doesn't want moral people. He wants righteous people. Moral people perform well on the outside, trying to mask the corruption inside. Righteous people have been transformed by God's grace and produce good works as a result. God wants us to be moral. He does not want whitewashed tombs. If our confidence before God is in ourselves, we look at ourselves and say, I've been obedient, I've been faithful, I've believed. If our confidence before God is in ourselves, we have yet to apprehend the gospel. And so often, our confidence before God is in ourselves, our morals, our obedience, our choices, and our confidence is not in Christ And Christ alone. And the reason why this view of the gospel is so toxic is that it trusts our behavior as the basis for God's favor. If we do well, God will be pleased and will bless us. But that is certainly not the biblical gospel. Nowhere is the gospel described as a mutual agreement between us and God where we do our best and God makes up the difference. God doesn't want us to try the best we can, He wants us to surrender. God has provided everything for us in Christ. Christ is the source of God's blessing. We receive God's blessings by faith. I realize we've opened a number of threads in this podcast, and it's going to be difficult to pull them all together here at the end. But what I want you to remember is simply this. If you want true relationship with God, if you want to experience God, you'd better be after right knowledge of him. You'd better give yourself to understanding God as He's revealed Himself in His Word. Don't settle for a vision of God that makes sense to you and fits in your little boxes and is compatible with your approach to life. Accept God as He has revealed Himself in His Word. God as He has described Himself is more glorious, more loving, holier, more generous, more gracious than we can imagine. We should not want a God of our own imagination. We need the God of Scripture, God as He has told us about Himself. So if you want experience of God, you want relationship with God, go after right theology, go after Scripture, study it, understand it, read it, memorize it, learn it, get familiar with it, But then don't settle just for uh, familiarity with Scripture. So we have two dangers here. The one is that we get all of our ideas right and we never follow through. That's a problem. We can have all the right ideas and have perfect theology and not have relationship with God. Never actually act on what we say we believe and enter into relationship with the living God. So, a ditch on one side is, is to have our knowledge right but not do anything with it. A ditch on the other side is to think we can be anything while ignoring God as He has spoken to us in His Word. If we want to know God, if we want to please God, if we want a relationship with God, if we want to experience His power and His blessing and His presence in our lives, we need His Word. We need right knowledge of Him from His Word. Relationship with God comes in the context of right ideas about God. True relationship with God comes through the Word of God as we study it, submit to it, believe it, and live it out. Well, this is a broad subject, and there's certainly much more that should be said than we've been able to say in these few minutes in the podcast. Hopefully this piques your interest, stirs up your mind, and gets you thinking again and moving toward God and uh, desiring all the more to discover him as he's made himself plainly known to us in his word. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Theological Touchpoints podcast. This podcast is a production of Sword and Trumpet Ministries. For more information, visit swordandtrumpet.org podcast or theologicaltouchpoints.com podcast. If you have thoughts or questions, you can contact us at podcast at Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it.